In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Christmas to all of you, and welcome here today to Trinity Episcopal Cathedral. As you exit today, and you go into the narthex, or our lobby, you'll see a picture on the wall on the right, and that was taken on Christmas morning in the year 1920. And that was the first service here at this cathedral. So on to the gospel. Most Christians know about Jesus of Nazareth, but very few know about the Christ. And even fewer were ever taught how to put the two together. There are still those who seem to think that Christ is Jesus' last name. And if you grew up in my household, he had a middle initial as well. We proclaim a faith in Jesus Christ, and in doing so, we make two acts of faith. One in the Jesus of the Nativity, whom we celebrated last night, and whom we will continue to celebrate through these 12 days of the Christmas tide. And the other is the Christ the eschatological manifestation of the very ground of our being, the kerygma of which we find the ultimate meaning in our interpersonal relationships. I see the theologians in the congregation smiling. There's a funny meme going around on a social networking platform that says exactly that. Presumably, there is Jesus sitting with one of the disciples And it's intended to poke fun and remind clergy about what a successful Christmas sermon might look like. And Jesus said unto the theologians, Who do you say that I am? They replied, You are the eschatological manifestation of the very ground of our being, the kerygma, of which we find the ultimate meaning in our interpersonal relationships. And Jesus said, What? It's funny because it's true. Jesus of Nazareth, the man, the teacher, the prophet, the son, the healer, and the friend. And Jesus the Christ, the absolutely unexplainable, cosmic, eternal, perfect co-inherence, which means the Christian mystery of the unity of God in three persons, the Trinity, this thing that exists in essential relationship with us and with God and with creation, co-inherence of matter and spirit. We believe that Jesus of Nazareth was born basically in a cold, damp cave that was serving to shelter animals. And he was placed in a feeding trough. And he grew. He grew to be the crucified and resurrected Savior 
and redeemer of the world. Jesus was the human incarnation of a mystery that we cannot explain. We cannot explain it because it hasn't been revealed to us yet. The Christ is the title of Jesus' historical and cosmic purpose. He presents himself as the anointed, as the christened one who was human and divine, united in one human body as our model and our exemplar. But this Christ is much bigger and older than either Jesus of Nazareth or the Christian religion. Because the Christ is whenever the material and divine coexist, which is always and everywhere. Elia Delio, a Franciscan sister from Washington, D.C., and an American theologian specializing in the areas of science and religion with interest in physics and neuroscience, writes this. The conventional the conventional visualization of the physical world was changed by Einstein's special theory of relativity, which showed that matter itself was a form of energy. For all practical purposes, energy is the real world. So there it is, science revealing that everything is both matter and energy. Spirit co-inhering as one. This is intended to be a Christocentric world, a Christ-centered world. And this relationship and realization, it changes everything. Because matter has become a holy thing. And the material world is the place where we can comfortably worship together to worship God just by walking on matter, just by being, just by loving, just by respecting. The Christ is God's active power inside of the physical world. She continues, Christ is present in the entire cosmos from the least particle of matter to the convergent human community. Incarnation is a making new of all of the universe's forces and powers. Personal divine love invested organically with all of creation in the heart of matter, unifying the world. And just like Jesus in the meme, I find myself saying, what? Even as we try to relegate Christ to a quiet cave far away that we heard last night in the Lucan narrative of the Gospel, the Gospel of John explodes onto the Christmas scene, blasting past the domesticated sweetness of farm animals and curious shepherds that is presented accelerating beyond the confines of the planet into the farthest reaches of the cosmos. Matthew and Mark and Luke, they are the equivalent of Dickens' A Christmas Carol when it comes to our Christmas story. But John, John is different. 
John is imagination, not explanation. John is poetry, not prose. John is difficult to take in and more than worth the time that it takes. John is gutsy. He writes a whole new story about beginnings. And in John's beginning, God is revealed not through nature, but through a presence, a word that has been with God all along and that is inseparable from God. Still, I cannot wrap my head around this gospel or its message, and we get two occasions back to back, so if you want to come back tomorrow, the deacon's going to take another stab at it. So, so what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to call ourselves Christians, followers on the way, to be disciples of the Christ, to be a Christian is to be, be the very body of Jesus the Christ. It's about putting our own breath behind God's words so that they land in our time and in our place. And still I continue to be left with questions about this very light this bright light. And each time we try to open the lens up wider to take in more light, well, it becomes too much light. It becomes difficult to see. So perhaps it's time to move in for a closer close-up. And we go to Bethlehem, to Joseph and Mary and the baby, that baby, the incarnation of the divine who makes God easier to love. And while there is tremendous comfort in the idea of a universal God that is bigger than any specific faith, there's also the need for a personal God that we know and we understand. A rabbi whom I studied under told a story of a young boy who was at the state fair and he got separated from his family and he stood in the middle of the midway and he yelled out Linda 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 and when his mother ran up to him she put her arms around him and asked I'm surprised you didn't call for mommy and he said I don't want any mommy I want my mommy while I honor the visions of the world's great religions, I don't want just any religion. I want my religion. I want to be with the followers of the Christ. I've come to accept Christianity as my heritage and my tradition, and I claim it as my own. And I have put it through every intellectual test I can think of. I've read hundreds of books. I've begged patient clergy and others to please just explain things one more time. I've left church for decades. I've come back. I've debated with myself why I'm even standing here before you. And yet, to quote Martin Luther, here I stand, 
I can do no other. Ultimately, we are left, even after a lifetime of study and reflection, as skeptics and scholars. We're left to silence our devices, set down our books, put aside our questions, quiet our frantic hearts, and bow before the mystery. To behold the Christ who is eternally reborn throughout the galaxies, from whom we receive grace upon grace, and to look at Jesus, the one who makes God accessible and easier to love. The face of God, the light of lights turned in our direction.